Hello, all, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Kubal. Today, I have me a very special guest, Erica Ebron. Erica, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Oh, excellent. Excellent. I was so glad that I could get you on. Instagram's really hard sometimes. Um, yes. Particularly if you don't follow people back because it goes, shoots those things into request, you know, request uh, messages. Yes. And I don't always go in there. So it's been difficult to get people from Instagram. So I actually had Lucy McLaren and yourself today, both from Instagram. So I felt very accomplished because it's one of the harder places for me to find authors uh, to come on. Yeah. A lot of sci-fi yeah. authors are on there. So I'm always excited when, you know, we can approach uh, sci-fi author in particular on Instagram and get them on. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This is going to yeah. be exciting. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah. I'm excited. I was looking at your work and I got a lot of really good questions. So I'm really anxious to get in and get started with you. Uh, and we'll go right there with that first one there, Erica. What has your writing journey been like up until this point? So my writing journey started when I was 13. I started, um, well, I was heavily influenced by like Stargate SG-1 and Atlantis. So it started out as kind of like a fan fiction. Oh, that's awesome. And then I got to the point where it's like, okay, this is kind of copying. I need my own thing. And I started drawing my own characters, coming up with different names and stuff. And so the last two years has been, well, I would say the last five years has been when my writing's really Mm. taken a turn to be more uh, unique. And uh, so in, when COVID right started, I finished like a, a first draft of Mission of the Roark as a prequel story to the story I had been writing since I was 13. And I finished that and got that done. And I'm currently working on book two, which was oh, cool. kind of book one, but now it's book two. So yeah, um, it's just been really interesting so far. I'm kind of like Stephen King where I, like, I just pulled that whole that little thread through the hole and <laughs> yeah, see where it takes me. Um, I've tried structuring my writing a little bit, but mm. I've had people tell me it doesn't have the same spark. It doesn't have the same intrigue. So I'm tr- trying to rediscover that spark, I guess, and not be so like by the outline where it's kind of dead. I don't know yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. It makes so, total uh, sense. Yeah. So yeah. I guess it's more exciting for readers when you as the author too don't know what's happening. I guess in mm-hmm. my case, that's that's where the magic happens. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of how it's been. I've been writing since I was 13, just always loved it. And um, I love telling stories through words and creating emotion. And um, I really love the bond between people and mm-hmm. also like um, the bond between animals. So I like incorporating oh, that cool. kind of into my stuff. And I genuinely love space and anything sci-fi so sound <laughs> effects you got me there so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i try and incorporate that, everything that i love into my books so yeah it's been fun well it's, it's just funny that you mentioned you know not being so rigid i like i do that i'm a teacher so i do that and i'm like okay i'm gonna plan this like i have a couple of things i've planned before paternity leave and then the next, like I have it fully planned and then I'll get there. And I know my co-teacher, I drive him nuts, but I, we plan and plan and plan. And then the next day I'll get there and I'm like, Hey, I had this much better idea. And then he's over at his desk. He's like, this is a better idea. How do we fix it in like 10 minutes to give to the kids? Um, yeah. But I feel it's how, and with writing a lot too, like, you know, I do have an outline, but at the same time, you know, I'm always like, Oh, that's a better idea, you know? And yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like hard, a, right? Yeah, yeah. It's to quote parts of the Caribbean. It's kind of like a guideline, not a rule, you know. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no it, yeah, it, yeah. I, oh, man, that's a really good. I didn't, I never connected that with writing, but that's actually a really good point. Yeah, yeah. you kind of see where you want it to go, but then yeah. if it takes a turn, like to follow that and to explore it and see what happens. And if you get stuck, maybe backtrack a couple paces yeah, and yeah. see. Yeah. So. But my yeah, friend always liked good. it's like a ship, you know, he's like, I'm coming into the harbor. He goes, but sometimes I have to go left or sometimes I have to go right. Or sometimes I'm going too fast or I have to slow down or sometimes I have to speed up. And I, I like, like oh, that really analogy. Good. Yeah. It's like they really yeah. Point. yeah. Oh, that's a really good one. I'm going to write that down. Not being stuck <laughs> to your outline. Like I, I stole it. <laughs> it's not me. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to, we're definitely going to have to bring you back for that. And we'll, we'll bring the Pirates of the Caribbean quote back. So Yes. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's actually I, I really like that. I'm gonna have to use that. Um that'd be like a really good blog post too. Yes. Yeah, because that definitely it's funny that I'm sorry, this is why I do interviews with people with authors. 
and artists and people because it makes me think of things differently. And I think that was a big problem I had with my draft two um, was I was like, okay, now I know, you know, draft one's done. I know some things I didn't like and stuff. And it's it's been really difficult for me to go back to because I think I was trying to stick too much to the original outline instead of coming yes. up with a new one. And I was like, no, this is the outline. And you know, yeah. I was thinking I should change a few things, but really it was all on fire. So I had to change like everything. But yeah, I found that too with some of my earlier drafts of like mm. my first story was writing. Um, the more I tried to contain it and perfect it, the more I lost the joy of writing it. So yeah, sometimes yeah, it's just too. good to throw the reins away and free rides. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. Yeah, I definitely understand that. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, you got me. Got me thinking a lot of different things there. Uh, I usually on Saturday, I usually write later on in the day because I always do interviews earlier in the day and yeah. I always get a much better writing outcome. But uh, so you mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned sci-fi. So just for our yeah. audience, what genre or genres do you currently write in and why? So I write in sci-fi. I'm fascinated by space, technology, creating um, creatures. There's also beautiful freedom um, with creating something new from things that I love. So I enjoy... Well, Avatar was a huge thing when it came out in oh, 2019, yeah, yeah, yeah. like 2009. And it's yeah. been 13 years and I've been waiting for the sequel. So I'm so oh, excited yeah. for that this weekend. Not this weekend, the next weekend. But um, no, sci-fi, I don't know. I just love planets, space, creatures. Um, you know, there's no rules for Earth. I was I was homeschooled, so I never really learned a lot about our, our structure of politics mm. until I grew up. Mm. Um, so it was just easier to make something up and to have rules for that oh, yeah. than to, you know, pick my library book up and figure out like, oh, what's this? Like, I don't know. It was just easier to write sci-fi than it was to write anything else. And oh, okay. my dad played a my dad played a huge part in stoking that love for sci-fi because mm -hmm. we always watched like, you know, Stargate Atlantis or yeah. um uh what else did we watch? We watched a lot of Star Wars and mm. um you know, all the classics and yeah, and last year was Dune and it's oh like, man, oh. so good. Yeah, it was, so blew my mind. Yeah. I went by myself because nobody wanted to go, and no, I really? was like, I'm not missing this. I sat, <laughs> I, I, and it was packed. I was lucky I went by myself, but uh, yeah, my buddy was sick, and we normally go to you know those kind of movies together. And yeah, like, I mean, it was probably like I think it had been already out, it was about to exit the theater, and said, Yeah, I was like, I'm sorry, oh, he goes, go without me, just go. <laughs> I told him, I was like, I'll go again. Like, I went the second time, it was so it's much so good. better, <laughs> like, it was yeah. just awesome. Yeah, yeah I bought I can't um, wait for part two. me too. Like, when the ending came, like, I because I previously just read the book. So mm. I could, could kind of follow on in my head what was happening and what was yeah, missed. Yeah. Um, and then I got to that part in the desert and I was like, oh, and then it ended. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, it's already been like a couple hours. Darn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It went by quick. Like I, it when it ended, I'm like, I'm like, did something happen? I like look behind me. I'm like, did something happen to the real? And yeah. I looked at my phone and my wife's like, are you done yet? <laughs> I was like, wow, this is like three, you know, three and a half hours later after the trailer is like, I was like, Holy yes. it was, it was probably one of the quickest movies I've, I've ever felt like being in, um, yeah. like ever, especially for a longer one. But yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's and it's so intriguing. Like, I also love how Frank Herbert, you know, created Dune and, and he has, I love his style of writing because it's, it, it's ominousant, right? That's how you say yeah. it. I'm pretty sure. And um, I always wrote that way when I was first mm. drafting, but then I figured, am I doing it wrong? So I switched to third person. But now I'm wondering if that's why my writing is kind of like, Meh. Oh, so I don't know, but I like how yeah. Frank did that. So it's kind of nice to see those giants and see their work come to life in the theater. Hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. Yeah. yeah. We talked a lot about him on here with, with Dune, you know, and it's amazing how much world building he did. Like, and I, I like Brandon Sanderson talked about him on his online lectures. And he's like, you know, the coolest thing, I think one of the coolest things that he points out is that, you know, spice rules that world, you know, and, and it's just interesting, you know, from an economic standpoint. And I was like, oh, I really want my fantasy magic system to be like the same thing. So I have like dragon glass, which are oh, like cool. actual, yeah, like actual, like there are certain magics you can do like druidic type of magic and stuff. Um, without them but if you're going to be like a mage or a sorcerer you have to have a little bit of money um, so you could have a little bit more natural ability but at the end of the day you still need the dragon glass and once you have used it um, you know and depending on your higher spell 
you need more dragon glass. So, and it has to be pure or not, you know, or something like right. that. So that usually you're, you know, you're everyday some... mages. Yeah. So if there's a lot of economic, I'm a socialized teacher. So there's a lot of economic things. I just always like that about Dune, you know, and yeah. growing up with it and discussing and dissecting it with people. I'm like, Oh, I've always loved that, you know, that concept. Yeah. And yeah, it, it, it definitely, he definitely inspired me a lot for, for world building for my own fantasy world. And I'm like, well, he did all these cool things. I'm like, you know, I, I love this. I can do that too. Yeah. yeah. Like, just the, just the topography of Dune itself. I mean, and like the culture, you know, yeah. of the people and, you know, yeah. of the empire and, you know, uh, yes. you know, the native themselves, you know, and to bring in those real world, um, you know, issues in a, sci-fi I just thought were yeah were amazing and then you know so the subsequent books I think I got up I my buddy I just talked about this because it must have been like middle school which I didn't even realize I'd read Dune and until I had you know seen the original cover and I was like oh yeah I read the first one um so I must have read like the first three um so and I, I was really into the the sci-fi tv show or like the tv oh the yes TV. yeah I really liked that one so I was really addicted for a while but yeah I definitely want to go back and reread Dune uh, mm -hmm. I got it from my buddy a while back after we're done with Malazan Book of the Fallen I'm like we have to read Dune <laughs> yes yes so, yeah yeah, that was yeah I read, it was very good I read the second one but I felt like it was more exploring um Paul yep. and his deeper struggles there being yep. who he is and like the repercussions of everything all the choices he made in the first book yep you know like kind of all kind of crashing down on him so i still have to get the third and read that one so it's on my to buy list <laughs> <laughs> i found them all like all the original covers which was pretty cool at a oh, sale the original for like 50 are... cents yeah i was like how did nobody buy these and my friend goes i think that there were other books in front and then mm. the night before people they re you know they reshelve them so we were there really early and I was like, I think I got like, yeah, I must have gotten like the first three and then some of those other stories and books, like it must have been like two bucks <laughs> and wow. I got like the copies for my buddy and stuff for book club. So yeah, I, nice. I got a really good deal. So then I awesome. went and looked later, I was like, original covers, like, wow. So yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Cause the new covers aren't that, they're, I mean, they're nice, but they're not. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think they really capture that time period of what I loved about sci-fi. I feel like exactly, they're just yeah. more, yeah, they're more yeah. just for art and show now than they were, you know, for advertising the brand at that time. But, yeah, I liked the classic sci-fi bold yeah. orange lettering, yep. you know, painted covers with yep. the people on the front or animals or whatever, a worm. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. The, the one I really, uh, I really keep in like a nice spot because I'm like, I'm just, I love the original first cover for book one like, yeah yeah it's, it's what I grew up with you know so of course I I enjoy it thoroughly so of course of course yeah, yeah. I agree well, you, did, you did mention creating you know creating new creatures um and I always love doing that for fantasy and I, I don't know why I don't do that for the sci-fi stuff that like I mean I you know talk about aliens and things and you know or alien life forms you know um you know yeah. sentient beings but I guess I, I feel like part of what my writing for sci-fi has been missing is I don't really do that like sandworms and things I think I need to think more about you know expanding my horizons you know because that's that's the fun part you know like it I is. love you know I love all those different things you know from sci-fi so you got yeah. me thinking now that that's probably one thing that I'm missing in my own sci-fi writing so mm -hmm. I mean that's why you go to sci-fi right and fancy or to do those cool things so that's um, right yeah. yeah it's interesting I'm gonna have to I have to reflect on that later today on why I was missing that and creating a huge gap for myself and my readers for some reason but yeah. well if you need to bounce any ideas off I'm always oh for sure always available I, I bet well I've been trying to been trying to get through some of my fantasy stuff first I have um several sci-fi things my my problem is I love space too much so then I you know I get researching and then before I know it, it's been like a week and I have all these notes but I haven't written anything but I've learned a lot about you know the the moons of Neptune and you know all these other things and I'm like how on earth don't you guys teach this for science in school I'm like why you know I'm like earth's great and all but I'm like I want to you know I wish I would you know been able to take more classes you know, involving outer space or, you know, yeah. or, you know, or, or something. I don't know. I think that they could yeah. have done a better job offering, you know, like I always thought it'd be cool to offer writing classes, but from the standpoint of bringing in science standards and things like that, 
but bringing in things like Mars, you know, or Mars exploration or, you know, just different things or, you know, bringing in some of those history concepts. I, yeah. Yeah. It's doing the same old, same old doesn't work as an author. It doesn't work for education either. So it'd be cool to start combining some of those elements. For but, sure. Got enough kids that would be interested. I got some writers with me right now. Let me tell you, it's pretty cool. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. They must really look up to you. That's great. Oh, man, some of the artists I have, I literally told two, three kids the other day, I'm like, if you do not go into art, I'm like, I'm gonna be so upset. I'm like, because they could literally <laughs> be the next whoever, you know what I mean? Like Alex yep. Ross, like, I mean, you name it, they could be it. And I'm like, I have one girl in one of my classes who's just absolutely phenomenal. And I'm like, please tell me that your parents or whoever's at home back you with your art. And she's like, yes, they actually really do. Oh, you know, because yes. a lot of parents are like, you're not going to make any money doing that. I'm like, well, my artist and the fees would say otherwise, you know, uh-huh. and especially with digital art, you know, so I'm trying to get them to, you know, do more digital art. And I told one of them who's amazing, um, something with our door decorating at school and did this amazing Jack skeleton for me. Um, wow. Doing like a conglomeration of a nightmare before Christmas and the Grinch and one of the other movies like classics um Sweet. yeah and I'm like oh my god I'm like I could totally he's got the zombies down I mean they are horrifying and absolutely amazing and I told him I was like I think you should do some Udemy or something like that I was like yeah. I would literally pay you 50 dollars to take a Udemy course for you know like two months I'm like I, I could see both of them, you know, being people that we hire later on, you know, for cover. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, concept artists are still really sought after guys. <laughs> like I could see them working on some movies and stuff, but yeah. Super yeah, cool. Wow. All That's right. Awesome. Well, my <clears throat> favorite question is asking people about their books and their work in particular. So Squirm. third one. <laughs> uh, so what is your book Mission of Rorick about and how did you come up with this idea? All right. Well, as I previously mentioned, uh, Mission of the Rourke is kind of like a prequel story. Um, so I actually wrote it after my draft that I've been working on since I was younger. But it's about a soldier struggling to fit in. in about what? I'm um, sorry. Struggling to fit in, but also to do what's right. So in his society, like mm. there's three different clans and he's part of the farmer clan. And clans can go to other clans. You just get different markings to associate which clan you're part of. Yeah, they look like circuits and they're vibrant colors. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so he's been able to get out of the farmer clan, go into the military clan. Uh, Just a little bit of backstory, I guess. But he's always been looked down upon as the underdog. You don't belong here kind of thing. I guess kind of like how some people feel in our society nowadays. So um, as a young boy, he's always dreamed of being a captain of his own starship, but it seems very Mm. unlikely. Like he's got a temper. He's always getting into fights with his superiors. They're always bugging him, even his men that he's commanding. And um, when he suddenly offered the job of being a captain, he figures it's too good to be true, but he takes it anyways because he figures, when am I going to get this chance, right? Mm. But it's only after he discovers that he was asked to be this captain for another reason is he really thrown into the story where like, okay, why, why did they ask me to do this? He comes across them doing like this council, they're having secret conversations and stuff. Um, so then he has to decide between his morality of doing what's right for his planet or following his dream and just putting it all aside and mm. doing the job that he's always wanted. So it kind of follows that moral struggle with him, but um it kind of developed on its own as I wrote it because Catrix was one of my main characters in my original draft mm. uh, story before I wrote Mission of Rourke. But I didn't know him as a character. Like I kind of knew where I wanted him to go, but there was no backstory. It kind of started with him like waking up. And so for Mission of Rourke, I wanted to explore where he come from, who he was, what the struggle was, really set up the, the galaxy and the universe and mm. the, I guess the garbage he wakes up into so um yeah that's kind of what it's about and the idea just kind of grew out of itself like and I guess Mm -hmm. I kind of incorporated some of the struggles that we were going through at the time in our society and like things that people on the daily struggle with like going to work and either do you climb that ladder or do you help your fellow co-worker or you know so it's kind of touches on some of those things and um yeah. So for my first book, I think it did okay, but we'll see, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, starting to explore all that stuff and um, 
I really enjoyed how it turned out. It was meant to be a prequel. I didn't want it to be too big. And of course, we as writers know that editing and all that is extra cost. So yeah, I was trying yeah. to stay within a trying to stay it within a word limit. And I think that's where I kind of defeated myself in a way. Like if I ever do a re-edit or a re uh, re-release, I guess I'll expand on some of those things that I had to cut mm. or that oh, I felt. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe one day in the future, when I feel eager to get back into it, I'll <laughs> expand upon. Because I've had pe- people say, oh, it's too short, or it's kind of this and that. And it's like, uh, yeah, you're right. And in my gut, I knew when I was doing it that I shouldn't, like, I should follow, like, do the whole thing. But yeah, yeah. sometimes our, our funds d- dictate what we can and cannot do. So Yeah, I definitely know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's, it, you know, writing is awesome because there's never a point where you can't go back and, like, re-release a new, like, yeah, look at Stephanie yeah. Meyer. She's. She yep. went back and did Edward and Bella's story so many times. So like, like why can't we? Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 no, that's yeah, totally true. But, yeah. um, so I hope that answered the question of what it's about. So oh, yeah. for sure, awesome. Well, there were two things that you mentioned there that I really liked. One, you know, you really talk about some real world, you know, like issues. Um, you know, I've dealt with that myself. You know, where people are like, oh, do this thing, and I'm like what at my job you know, mm. I'm like I'm not gonna do that <laughs> and I'm like or I might look make it look like I do that but I'm like no nah, I'm like yeah it's not it's not beneficial to my kids at all so you know yeah. and some of us are just like kind of roll our eyes and stuff so I definitely understand that um yeah and it's it's hard right where if you're in a position you know where you've been given and you do think it's for one reason but it's for another like yeah, I think there's a lot to, you know, unpack there that a lot of people could really relate to, you know, in terms of your main character. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. Well, I, I do agree with you, you know, about funds. And this is one thing, you know, in particular, indie authors need to think of, right? Because even if you're yeah. a traditional published author, right, they might not. I just had somebody who, you know, said, well, the com- my publishing company didn't want they wanted my first book but not my second book because it was you know a prequel novella uh, and you know it was a different character and stuff that's going to be in book two so you know they are kind of saving that for later so to speak you know Mm. once their rights and everything revert back to themselves um they're like well I have this and then two others ready to go and that's what I thought of too is like I have some prequel novellas and instead of just doing one big book um and worrying about that um, I'm doing pre-made covers for the three prequel novellas and then yeah. I'll do beta readers and then I'll format myself with a friend who's helped me with vellum and then we'll send yeah. it to the editor. Um, but I think it's be a lot cheaper doing it that way. And then we'll actually yeah. at the end, put it all together as an yeah. anthology. So now I have four products and, you know, the editing's already been done for the three chunks. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So That's saving costs Yes, uh, some a couple yeah. of different authors gave me some uh, different advice to help me help us actually come up with that idea, and then we'll actually pay to have you know an actual cover, um, you know, made. We're really thinking the anthology itself will do a lot better, particularly once I get book one out. But mm-hmm. I just want to get the prequel novellas out just to kind of you know test the waters yeah. and have something to put up there. Um, yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting to to see if that works, <laughs> but that's yeah. That's just really being an author today, unfortunately, a little that is. indie author. But yeah, yeah. I think cost, but, like you said, really has a lot to do with it and allows yeah. you or not, doesn't allow you at times to do certain things. So that's right. Yeah, I've been saving hard since I started working. So <laughs> and I have a very supportive husband who supports any expense that I may come up with. Like, well, you can't really argue because he's got a fancy truck. So <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> But, um, I always point to my wife's Michael Kors purses. I'm like, that could have been like three book covers right there. Oh, I do that too. <laughs> That's funny. Like uh, my husband got those, uh, it's called gemstone lighting, but they're like those LED oh, lights, yeah. like soffit lighting and you yeah, can program yeah, yeah. them on your phone and stuff. And yeah. he went ahead and did that without me oh. $1,800 later. Right. And I was like, <laughs> I could have, I could have, you know, like you know how we say yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i think about all the time yeah she asked me she'll ask me do you want this or do you want to do you know like doing something is one thing but you know like we she was like oh do you want this thing you know you've been thinking i was like no i was like i just can't and i was like we have a baby on the way and yeah that's why i was like pre-planning for some things and that's where like i have a couple of things like historical urban fantasies with like romans versus zombies that uh, cool. I want to do yeah and like um I talked to Jeffrey H Haskell about it and he really liked it 
um, shared the idea with his wife and, um, you know, the company that he sold um, some of his sci-fi books to recently. He was like, yeah, you know, that, that might be really good here. He's like, you should think about, you know, approaching them. So once I get those done, I think I'm going to try and do some traditionally published. That would be the ones that I would try to do. It's kind of like a Monster Hunter series um, eventually. Cool. And then, yeah, I think I would try to do my urban fantasy on my own uh, and my own fantasy stuff. My own fantasy stuff, I don't want anybody to touch. Like it's been my baby and I want to make all decisions for George Lucas old school style. Um, yes. But yeah, I, but it's interesting. I disagree with you that, you know, cost does have a lot to do with it. And that's like one of my friends is like, would well, you want to publish this now or this now? And I'm like, well, I have several books I've been working on, you know, where I could finish up the rough draft and then, you know, start to do things this summer. We have three that we kind of, two of my friends and I kind of decided together. I'm like, well, I could do this. I could do this. And their advice is, you know, they're not writers, but they're readers. And yeah, you know, they're very avid fantasy and sci-fi readers. And, you know, I was glad that, you know, they spoke up and, you know, gave their opinions because kind of determined the calendar there. And I think the rest kind of goes right. up to cost. But yes. Yeah. And it's so good that you have friends that are avid readers that you can kind of pick their brains as a reader. Because oh, yeah. as authors, that's kind of what we need, right? Yep. They're yep. they're the target audience. So yep. Yeah. And that's like awesome. I I have one idea that my buddy gave me was that it started out as a joke and now I just loved it. And I got these ogres that have been stuck here for a few thousand years. They had a portal open, their overlord came through. They were like his main crew, um, like his elite bodyguards. And then they got stuck here and then they were monster hunted for a long time. They're actually the reason that we have a lot of our myths about ogres and um, the Fae and things like that. Um, and my, my urban fantasy, they come from there and, um, their overlords trying to get back here because they want to take over our planet for different reasons. Um, Ooh. yeah. And then now the problem is, is that there's that crew stuck here. And then some of them, because like in order to survive, they have to blend in with humans, um, which they have a little bit of magic to do, uh, yeah. and the ability to do. So then they discover that the overlords on their world actually, treat them almost like slaves and oh. they're not they're taken from their mothers very young they don't have any you know sense of family a lot of psychological things um mm -hmm. bringing the history teacher in and yeah and they discover that you know we actually like humans and you know like different things about our civilization so when the, they get the they have like these little runic bracelets when they get when they start to glow they realize that the overlord is trying to come back and is about ready to and then they have to make the cool. decision are we going to allow that or are we going to stop him so That's all really from cool. one silly joke that my friend said so i said i blame you for mm -hmm. my nanowrimo and it's your fault i said i'll dedicate the trilogy to you but i said oh. i can't believe that one little throwaway comment <laughs> turned into me having to write that. yeah i write yeah. a trilogy so i, I told him i was like, like you have to come to all the book signings everything with me i'm be like this guy gave me the idea right here so and you'll you'll yeah. have to dedicate like name an ogre after him or something like change yeah yeah yep, yep. that's that's what he said i was like yeah i got one <laughs> character in book two in particular where i'm like oh my god this is so you and he's so funny which is why the whole thing it was a joke like it was a joke and from what he said, I was like, oh, my God, I'm like, your character would fit perfectly into this spot. So, yeah, it's going to be real. I'm going to laugh if he had, if that character ends up becoming the most popular one. But I'm going to write yeah. it exactly how he would. He's always sending me funny, yeah. funny messages and stuff. But yeah, but it's, it's cool, right, to, you know, I just I like personally, like, you know, we just as writers, you know, particularly indie, you know, you have that ability to do, you know, like. You know, like you were saying, you know, you have a lot of different things that you, you know, have pulled from, you know, your experiences and stuff, you know, and um, I just think it's fun, you know, to be able to be like, oh, I really like this character, but I didn't like how the director or the writer, mm -hmm. you know, the author, whoever, the comic book artist, you know, or writer yeah. did this. So I'm going to yeah. do this. Um, yeah, I think it's nice to have that ability, you know feels good to bit of freedom. Control. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever get uh get bumped by having all that control but no I don't think so either like yeah I've talked to some friends and just querying and doing mm. the traditional route and getting that like no we're not interested it's like ah just do it yourself like you yeah, know. yeah yeah I, mean, I always it's, look it's... at like Travis um Belvedere I think so I say it um from Legends and Lattes like you know like I just think it's funny that, you know, after he sold like 10,000 copies, you know, Tor came a knocking and, you know, helped him out with different things. But, you know, I, it's funny how many people 
I've seen in the community, you know, kind of, I don't want to call it getting poached by traditional, but it's funny that they're looking for, which I think is smart on their part. You know, they're looking for that talent pool and, you know, who already has X, Y, and Z. Um, but it's interesting to be an indie author. Like you're saying, you know, like your first book, like, you know, I, uh, Christopher G. Brennan's a good friend of mine. And, you know, it's interesting how he just had his, his book two uh, released, The Wrathbringer. And I loved his book one, The Hellborn King. I try and tell everybody, go read this book. Well, it's just interesting because, you know, I like he sold more within the last couple of months of book one with book two releasing yes. um, than in like a year and a half for book one, you know. Yeah. So it's so always you get funny that to sequel. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's always funny to me when, you know, I see people and I'm like, nope got a great cover a great product a great website you know you know what you're doing i'm like it might take three or four books which usually it does for successful people but i yes. think if you look at people and you know sci-fi or fantasy or whatever you know traditional or indie you know it usually takes people a little bit of time so yes yeah, yeah for so, sure yeah, it's interesting yeah i agree well when it comes to <clears throat> world building what steps do you take to make your world unique mm. I used to worry about this all the time and I'd be frustrated when I saw like um, other things similar to mine. So for instance, I come up with a species called Drogons, but as we all know, there's um, Game of Thrones and their dragons yeah. are Drogons. Yeah. So I changed that to a different name, but I was like, oh, I can't have the same thing because I want to keep my stuff original. But um, honestly, for me, it's just create something from different things that I love. So um say avatar for instance you know his entire planet is created off animals that have three or four arms two back legs like these cool little things that you connect to with the main race like yeah yeah. um so i just try to combine as much of the stuff that i love so like say space horses whatever like i try and make things that i love and i think the more like even george lucas you know like he liked world war ii he liked the dog fights and stuff and um you know, lots of that stuff is in his, um, in, in his movies, like, you know, it's got that feel or it's classic, I guess. But, um, yeah, I just, it's a combination of things I love. And as, as I write ideas come to me, like, Oh, what if it did this? Or what if it did that? And, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing to be an author because <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen until you actually no, sit yeah. down and start writing. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think it's also cool to have like different pools we, we pull from. So like I'm heavily um, influenced by TV shows, sound effects mm-hmm. and things like that. I, I used to read a lot, but I'm just starting to get back into the reading world, but yeah, movies, TVs, like I see on their faces, how they're struggling or like hear the sound effects. So it's easier for me to, to take those cool things that I love like say matrix like all the different like technology like the the writing yeah, yeah. and like or how they spin in the air because you know it's the matrix <laughs> like oh what if they just had that superpower like a superhero and you know so yeah. I don't know it's yeah it's a conglomeration of all the things that I love so um uh in order to make it unique I, I guess I just can put a spin on it try and put a boundary or a, a different tweak to it um I mean, there's nothing new under the sun, so I can't really help. Yeah, yeah. If, if there is something that is very similar to what other people love, because that's I, I see a lot of people do that. They take things that they love and put them together. So like yeah. horses or foxes, then you've got this fox-looking horse. Like, you can't help that. Um, for my bad guys, it was um, – so the, the race is called Nevo. I don't know where I got the name. I must have come up with it. But they're like a mixture of the Bionicles, General Grievous – and then venom oh that's cool yeah so um i think they're my proudest thing i've ever made and they're the bad guys like ah, oh, that's awesome yeah yeah so terrifying actually to think terrifying of. <laughs> yeah like <laughs> just imagine villain, the yeah. feet like, yeah. yeah so um looking forward to expanding on them one day but yeah so that's just an example of kind of how i try and keep things unique and i try not to get bummed out when i do see things that are similar you know it's okay yeah, like yeah. you just keep going as long as it has a different name, people know that you, your intentions aren't um, to copy or to be like the other author or the other product. Like I've had people say, Oh, you must've watched a a lot of like, or played a lot of mass effect. And I was like, actually, I've never, I don't know the storyline. I don't know what's happening in that, that game. Like I just, this is just sci-fi to me. Like, this is how I write it. This is the world. So Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think people will pull similarities from their own 
experiences oh, sure. when they're reading it. So um, as authors, we can't really control what the reader sees. Yeah. So yeah. do our best to like set the stage and, and, you know, create something different, but in the end, it's all up to interpretation. So, yeah. 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 So like, but I mean, there's Dune with big worms. So yeah, <laughs> earthworms on spice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's funny because I, I mean I definitely agree with the you know conglomeration, and it's funny because my my friend Mark Timoney and I, you know, but we both absolutely love Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time. Um, yeah. You know, we're both huge Forgotten Realms fans. Um, there was something yeah. else that we talked about um, privately then um, in our interviews where you know, uh, we're like, oh, we love this book too. So it's no wonder that when I went to read um, the first chapter and the prologue of his book, his first book, uh, The Blood of the Spear, he uses a term that I use, the void. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm like, should I change? I'm like, I really can't. Cause I'm like, I have so much philosophy and things, culture built into um, my, so not really a God, it's more like a, a cosmic force. Uh, that yeah. some people call a god or a symbol, you know, sign a, a god like great spirit. Like, yeah, you know, and he can manifest himself, um, and so can his sister. But um, I was like, I'm not gonna change it, you know. And mm-hmm. he 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 uses the same term so differently, but there's a lot of similarities, you know, and it was just so interesting for me from a reader and writer standpoint to see that. And I was like, it's so cool that he can have the same word you know, with the same idea, but mean told two different things. And I've always wanted to try this. I am trying to, I want to do this for fantasy and sci-fi. And I want to give a prompt of the same book to three different authors and then myself. Yeah. Right. And then I want yeah. to, everybody to go write their own outline because everybody out, Michael R. Fletcher gave me this idea because he's like, yeah, nobody actually steals ideas, Dan. He's like, because if you take my idea, he goes, I'll tell you every idea I have. He goes, if you go take my idea, you're going to write it completely differently than I That's did. Right. Like, so I want to do that as a, as a writing seminar, as an exercise and let people see that. Cause yeah. I think some people they're like, they get bummed out, you know, like Dirk Ashton talked about that on their podcast with Mike and them and Rob J Hayes and Jed Hearn um, on Wizards Words and Words were, you know, he had went and somebody goes, Oh, you, he, he did some sort of power um, with his Paternus trilogy where somebody's like, Oh, you must've watched American gods and, you know, Neil Gaiman, um, you know, you must be a big fan. He's like, I've never read any of his books. So he went and read some, he's like, I have to change the name of this power and how this power works because it's oh, too similar. Wow. And he, he was like, his mind was blown and I'm <laughs> like, wow. Like that two people could come up with something that's similar, but, but I agree right. with you. You know, I think, you know, they were probably influenced by both of them, the same love. type of stories or media or, you know, or something like that. Cause we're all watching the same thing. We're all watching yes. Tiger King, you know, or yeah. whatever, like me right now. Maybe. Yeah. You yeah. Know, so, yeah. I think after a while, it gets kind of hard, like you said to, you know, kind of, yeah. but yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it'd be, I think it'd be one of my most watched podcasts ever doing that. That's going to be something we do in the summer. So that would be a cool, cool. challenge for the summer or even yeah. like for a short story, like NaNoWriMo like idea oh that's a good idea too yeah you know the 50k words see what you can come up with yeah yeah I don't know maybe there's like a special prize or like yeah it'd be cool that's a good idea it'd be cool I always want to do it with another author like another indie author and that's how we advertise it same story two different ways yeah (laughs) yeah exactly or like you write what like you write one species or race and I write the other one and write the story and then yeah, yeah. do it that way from one, you know, POV, but you know, yeah. you catch them up. I think that'd be really cool. My friend's so like, you're fun. just a gimmick guy. I'm like, I just think it'd be a fun writing tool, but it I might do it on fun. my own with somebody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good experience, right? Just yeah, it'd be to cool. do it for fun, right? It's, it's yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. You never know. You might get a good <laughs> co-author out of it, you know, a good that's, that's right. We work yeah. well together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, with that fifth one there, um, I'm always interested for people for sci-fi because like speaking of Dune, some of the... Si- the technology in there, especially the new movie, I don't think was the most complicated, but it had mm-hmm. to be some of the most unique and how they represented it, contrary to even some of the older, you know, like the original movie and, you know, TV show I thought was really cool. Uh, yeah. So technology has been on my mind for sci-fi recently. So I was curious when it comes to your technology in your sci-fi world, uh, what do you do to create a realistic but futuristic world for your readers? Hmm. That's well, I love technology too. So it's, it's really cool. Like I like uh, all the stuff anyways. Um, so again, it's, it's really hard to sometimes create something that's unique, but, um, 
when I'm making things for my sci-fi world, I try and make it plausible. So that's kind mm. of believable. And then um, like say my ships travel by uh, a wormhole or whatever. So it's kind of based off Einstein, but it's like instantaneous oh, cool. or, well, you know, like, cause his theory is goes around the circle and you're right there and spending time. Yeah, yeah. But <clears throat> uh, for me, it, it's really important to make it plausible, but then also have boundaries within those things to work and operate. So for instance, shields, like I have it. So energy can be deflected and kept out because obviously it's an energy shield with energy hitting it. Let's say a sharp object, it doesn't give off the same kind of energy. So say mm. something pointy could get through um, like a blade or whatever. So slices through the energy and penetrates it rather than um, bounces off or be, mm. becomes absorbed. So I try and make things where it's new and unique, but then also where it's like, oh yeah, I believe that. Like that's definitely doable. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we never asked why a lightsaber stopped at the end, right? <laughs> Some of us did. <laughs> well, I guess. When we but not for like to... 40 years later. <laughs> we start. we stopped trying to create them ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but stuff like that, you know, sometimes too, it depends on the readers like Andy Weir. He's got a lot of people who do search for those facts and he's known for those facts, but there's also readers who they just, they don't care if it, how it works. Like just, just emerged me in this story yeah. and in this technology. So, um, but yeah, I try having it where it's balanced, right? Yeah. It does make sense, but then also there's boundaries and rules that those characters have to fall in. I don't make something and then like, make it not that way for the story like oh i bummed up like now i gotta change it a little bit yeah, like yeah. you know having strict rules for how things operate i think is good to make things plausible and real for that world so like your your um your dragon glass yeah you know there's there's boundaries and there's rules for those glass so once you yep. use that power that's it you know to die. Yeah, yeah. your magic you know if you need a bigger you know a spell or whatever you gotta go find yeah. some more glass so yeah, well, I think it's or however it works. <laughs> no, no, it's just it's funny that you say that because my friend, it's funny that you mentioned that. And we, we talked about that from like a I'm trying, I'm trying to think if I said this to anybody or not online, if it would ruin it. So yeah, so I won't say that part because we have like a really interesting um thing that we're gonna do like a couple years from now um with it. But um, I guess I won't say it. I don't think I've said to anybody I'll I'll tell you personally uh later. Okay. It's, really, it's really cool. It's really cool. It's really cool writing. Okay. Um but but like my friend came up with the idea to do this really cool thing and he's like you should think about you know the law of conservation of matter um you know like you know the energy like where does the energy go kind of thing. Um yeah. so I was like oh that's a good point you know and not that I'm super into, you know, Brandon Sanderson's like hard versus soft magic. I'm more of a like, I don't know, like, like sci-fi. I don't it's really fun. Care. Yeah, yeah, it's just fun. Like, I, I don't really it's care. Fun. <laughs> yeah, as long as the magic does cool stuff and, you know, it's, you know, you can't, as long as you don't have Gandalf who can just magically appear somewhere and teleport and not take the yeah. ring to Mordor, I'm okay. Um, yeah. So I do agree your rules have to make sense. But yeah, so he was like, well, we should really think about this. And so we, I mean, we really toiled. I mean, the three of us, like, we really toiled to try and make it like you said, you know, like still really cool, but also still believable. And, yeah. you know, and that's, I think where I've always struggled with um, writing sci-fi. Um, so I'm glad you brought that kind of thing up. So I'm always, um, you know, trying to figure out, well, you know, what would be middle of the road, you know, like what would be the most plausible way that in the future we would travel, you know, from yeah. one solar system or, you know, you know, one galaxy to another. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I think that's been the hardest thing for me as a sci-fi yeah. writer trying is, yeah. Um, yeah, trying to find that balance. So I think that's a really good answer. Another freeing thing for me was my story is not based on Earth or anything mm. that we know of. So oh, I have cool. a little bit more freedom yeah, to yeah. play with. That's a good to, idea. Right. So if you're finding your, it's hard for you to create because you're stuck with, well, where would we be in like, I don't know, hundred yeah. years, you know, it's really hard. You could always just expand your mind a little bit and start somewhere else, like yeah, yeah, different yeah. galaxy, different rules, different everything. So it doesn't have to start on earth. Yeah. Right? That's a really good idea. Firefly it, if you will. Um, I've never watched that. I've got to do that. Oh my gosh, <laughs> so no. yeah. So, I mean, they say it within the first like five minutes, uh, I think 10, 10 minutes of the first episode. 
Um, but they talk about like earth that was, and actually like nobody really knows where it is. So I'm so disappointed that Fox screwed it up so bad with the order of the episodes that it didn't get a season two. Cause I always thought, I always wanted to see how he, Joss Whedon would have presented that and if they would have tried to find it or whatever, but that, that, I think that's a fabulous idea that, you know, that you have. And I think that actually just helped me fix uh, a couple major stories because that's where I was getting lost. So I think maybe I'll just cut that out <laughs> and yep, not just really worry about it. So, or you know, a classic cartoon like Titan AE, where their home world destroyed by the dredge, and then you know they're they're disbanded and they're all disconnected and they're all yeah. floating around, and then you know that makes oh, total that's a, sense. That's another. Oh yeah, that's yeah. I, I gotta watch that again. That was a good one. My, my best friend and I've been talking a lot about Titan AE. I watched a couple episodes with him. Um, that's one that like, I'm really trying to go back and cause it was, it was kind of like random, you know, like we'd go on guys night and we'd be waiting for his significant other, you know, and we would, you know, we'd be watching like, he's like, cool. Oh, can you mind if I watch this? Episode? So I'm like, no, it's fine. You know, and I usually be doing some writing or something while he does that. Um, but there were some, you know, very interesting things that came up and now we've discussed quite a few things, um, in book club and stuff. And, I'm like, okay, I'm like, that seems like one, you know, that I'd really like that. And I want to go back and watch Afro Samurai again. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the, the anime I've gotten back into again, especially with like um, Avatar The Last Airbender, now that Netflix is doing their whole live action yeah. thing. I'm like, I want to run back through them again. And yeah, yeah. yeah that's really cool. Yeah. Well, I wrote that one down because I'm definitely going to be thinking about that once I go back to sci-fi and thinking that mm-hmm. you just solved a huge world building problem for me. So yeah, I awesome. that. So, uh, yeah, you're welcome. That's awesome. Well, I have to give you the, <laughs> the kudos when I finish that. I, I want to do like, a, oh, like a, almost like a Blade Runner sort of thing. Like, I don't know, like a, like a, oh. like a cop thriller, but yeah, set yeah. in space. It's yeah. gonna be like a buddy cop thing. Um, oh, I got so this... much fun for potential yeah. like humor between them, right? Oh, yeah, grinding yep. each other's gears. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show The Neighborhood, but Cedric no. the Entertainer. It's like the guy that played Schmidt from. Uh, oh. Yeah, uh, I told back on the actor's name, um, New Girl. But the two of them are hilarious, and I was like, what if you put those two in space? And they were buddy cops and one was like from a back world and the other one, but, and I wanted to be like, um, like a hunter, like, you know, like he was like really good, like bounty hunter type sheriff yeah. like cop from the backwater. I want this other city cop to be there. And I just thought it'd be, it just sounds like so much fun to me. Uh-huh. I really loved altered carbon when the TV show came out. So I'm really looking forward to, I just found a copy of the book. So I like, I love that whole, the atmosphere and the technology, everything. And I was like, oh my gosh, I really have to write sci-fi at some point now. Yes. Sci-fi was my original love for reading. So I feel like that's definitely- Come back to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, come home. But my friend, yeah. he goes, maybe you've read too much sci-fi because you think your stuff needs to be, you know, like that. So mm. I think that and your advice <laughs> there is actually two of the best sci-fi um, writing advices I've been given. So I'm definitely going to be trying that out. Yeah, that's awesome. Later, yeah, it'd be really cool. Perfect. Yay! Glad I can help. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely be running some stuff by you for that one for sure. So awesome. Looking forward oh, speaking, to it. Speaking of which, oh. I, I came up with this one a while back, and now I love it. And it's it's been really fun for fantasy, but sci-fi in particular, I think, has been really interesting. Um, the interest, uh, the answers that I've gotten. So, if you could visit any part of your own sci-fi universe, where would it be, and why? Okay, so this planet is actually not in Mission of the Rorak, but it is in the sequel that I'm oh, almost cool. done writing. Um, but it's the planet Cordabo. Oh, and this cool planet, name. yeah, thank you. This planet is um, it's a dark planet lit only by a ring, kind of like Saturn's ring. Oh, cool. but it it gives off glow in the dark like particles that fall down to the planet, and they like oh, cool. outline and line everything with this like glow in the dark particle dust because I love glow in the dark stuff. <laughs> so when I kind of saw Avatar, I was like, Ah, you stole my idea! But it's a little <laughs> different. So, <laughs> but yeah, it would definitely be that planet because it's it's so cool, and I love glow in the dark and just thing, seeing those things. I think would be so cool, like the plant life. The animals. That would be really cool. Yeah, so, and I've got some interesting creatures on that planet as well. 
I just love where like there there's that one climactic like snow part, right? falling. Yeah, and it's yeah. like coming down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they got like the you, little creatures. Yeah, yes. falling through the air. Yeah. And when you walk upstairs, the glowing dust. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That that luminescence. Yeah. I I yeah. that Avatar definitely piqued my interest for going back to my. I had a. I started to write in middle school and particularly wanted to get hired by Forgotten Realms. So I was writing basically like Forgotten Realms fan fiction. And then when I was in college <laughs> and I was trying to be an illustrator, um, we had an opportunity to do our own like ABC book. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do it on, you know, my fantasy world. And I came up with a bunch of cool stuff and cool characters and stuff. And then it just like it just sat with me for a little bit. And then I think it was a year later when Avatar came out. And one of my best friends, Stephanie and I went and I was like, we were looking at each other. And we we're like, we were just thinking it was going to be like kind of cool. And it had the 3D glasses. It was one of the first 3D movies I ever saw. And oh my gosh, just the colors and the, yeah, the world building. I mean, it, I went home that night and I pulled Rope. up that old document. Yeah, I had the book with me and I just started going. I mean, yeah, it was, yeah. It was awesome. I think we went like three or four times I mean oh, wow. like within that week like people like oh you want to go we're like yeah sure there was five dollar movie night on Tuesdays and it was yeah it was such an experience but yeah that'd be really cool yeah It'd be a cool place to visit it would be yeah uh, so and oh, then it's an excellent so, answer yeah thank you <laughs> that seventh one now if you could go on an adventure with any of your characters which one would it be and why uh, so this character is in Mission of the Roark. His name is Tavos. He is a Shargan. So he is a being of pure energy, but also oh, that's cool. he has limitations as well, being pure energy. But um, I think it would be fun to go on an adventure with him because what they can do and, you know, the kind of stuff they could see in the galaxy. Yeah, I think oh, it would yeah. be fun. Just like, I don't know. They're blue and I love the color blue. And he like, oh, I have to send you a picture because I've drawn. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I love I've, art. Oh, yeah, I I've, love art. I spoiled myself. I bought a zinc lab uh, tablet this past oh, weekend. Cool. It was on sale. So I'm going to try doing it digital because I've only ever drawn my own stuff like traditionally oh, cool. and colored it. So, but I'll have to send you a picture. He's really cool. Yeah, yeah. And um, no, yeah. I just, I wish people had read the book because then I could talk more about it, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully by, hopefully by book two, when we have you back on, people have, and then we can start to, you know, start to spoil yes, some things. <laughs> yeah, but no, he's definitely somebody that I would definitely want to go on an adventure with and see what he gets up to. So, yeah. Well, that's super cool. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Like sci-fi concept art was one of the first, um, oh, like mediums of sci-fi or fantasy that I had ever seen. And like from a young age, I, you know, I'd go and we go to Walden's or Borders back in the day. And you would literally see these just amazing concept, um, you know, books. And my mom's an interior designer, so she's really big Aww. in art. And, you know, we'd go to museums and stuff. But, you know, at the museums, there wasn't sci-fi or, you know, or fantasy or anything. So, you know, those were, and, you know, there wasn't any internet. So, you know, those were really my ways to see what I wanted to see. And my grandfather um, really got me into, my cousins got me into Star Wars, Star Trek, um, Battlestar Galactica, Buck Rogers, um, Beastmaster. I mean, you name it, you know, like I was seeing these cool movies, you know, in TV shows and that the art was really appealing. So that's always mm -hmm. been really dear. Sci-fi in particular, my grandfather loved. So sci-fi uh, concept uh... art's always been, yeah, like kind of been my thing I have way too many books with concept art <laughs> I had to scale down a little bit over the years so I'm like oh I want that one and that one and that one my wife's like we don't have the nearly that much room um you know and they're always bigger books but yeah I still have yeah. a save a lot of concept art on my you know that's just how I write like I find yes. a picture or something and it just it, you know it sparks my interest so usually I think my friend um oh uh, so the whole cult she was like oh I do like a vision board but yeah, like, like a mood yeah, board. Yeah, but, but she does it with words. And I'm like, oh, I want to do it with pictures, you know? Yeah. Set up scenes. So uh, a couple of people I talked to, they're like, I do that visually, um, you know, on my Word document, whatever. I'm like, why don't I do that? I'm like, that that sets the scene. There's characters yes. there and you can look at those. So I started to set up my new outline for a draft two for one of my books that way. So it's been oh. very, very helpful. And wow. like, you know, yeah, it's like going back to your roots, you know, I was like, well, that yeah. makes total sense. So, but it kind of goes back to, you know, what you were saying for, you know, question one, you know, where, you know, you struggle a little bit. So you're trying to find, you know, 
you know, yeah. you know, go back on point for style, you know, and I, I think that that's hard at times. And I have a couple of my friends who are, you know, writing book four or five and they're like, it's just not just, it's I'm not, just doing something different or it's not there. I'm conceptualizing yeah. too much or something. So I think going mm-hmm. back to your roots is always, you know, a, a good strategy. Cause that's why, you know, that book got, you know, you know, written yeah. and thought up to begin with, but yeah. Exactly. And if you can oh. stick through all the drafts, then it's got to have something. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. It's like silting. We used to go metal detecting all the time, my dad and I. So it's like, right, you get down to the bottom and there was one place where we were like, we, we were for sure there were coins. And, you know, so there was like really hard packed. And I always think about that where we had multiple silts going. And I always think yeah. about at the end, you know, we were left with a couple of coins and stuff. And I'm like, that's really a novel, right? Like you really get those shiny pieces at the end. So that's right. Yeah, it's definitely true. All right. Well, that was an excellent answer. I'm really looking forward to you sending me that. That'd be really cool. Um, mm-hmm. Sounds like a cool person. Having a you know, cool being, I guess, to have. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I came up with that question because I always think of that myself because uh, I'm like, well, I'm like in a fantasy setting. I'm like, am I really just going to be with another human or am I going to be with one of my uh, ape folk or yeah. you know, I'm going to be with a cat folk or I like I like the guy, you know, um, the World of Warcraft panda. He was cool. So oh, yeah. I love Poe from Kung Fu Panda. So I did that yes. one. So I was like. Yeah, so it's it's always fun for me, I think, to to think of that. And Chewbacca is obviously oh. one of my favorites of all time. So yeah. I'd love I to love go with him. him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just did that with my nephew the other day. He's like, "What just <gasps> what happened?" That? Yeah. yeah, I was like, "A couple of years, we'll show you. You'll be all set." Yeah, yeah. Like rolling your R's, but in the back of your throat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> one of my friends at school, he does it so well. Like he did it oh. to like mess with the kids and. And we all yeah. ever like stop what they were doing. We're all stared at him. I was like, it sounds like Chewbacca is in this room right now. And yeah, it was really cool. He's like, maybe I'll do it one time for Halloween. I was like, oh, that'd be awesome. I was, I'll be, I'll be, he's really, you know, tall compared tall. to me. Like Peter uh-huh. Mayhew. So I was like, I'll be yeah. the Han Solo to your Chewbacca any day. There we week. go. So there we go. that's definitely what we're doing next year. <laughs> awesome. Right. That's awesome. Well, do you have any news, updates, promos, or current projects that you'd like to share with us? Um, so I do have current work in progress is it's probably the third draft of, um, oh, wow. version of the book two that I'm writing for mission of the Roar. So it's called echoes of destiny. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah. So we get to follow along with Katrick a little bit more and a little bit closer to, I think with, um, his journey and then, um, everything else that happens in there that I can't say, <laughs> but it's in this book, I do switch between his pod and another pod. So it's nice to take a break from his brain and jump into somebody else's. Um, I'm always looking for beta readers or arc readers. So if anybody wants to sign up, they can go to the link in my um, Instagram um, bio. I have a link tree there with different links. They can sign up uh, or they can visit my website. I think I have it up there as well, or shoot me an email at Erica at Erica um yeah and then just mission of the rock he was just released this august so i've got a couple reviews on there but if anybody's read it and they want to leave a review it'd be so helpful for me and um, i'm always looking for honest feedback on my writing and always want to improve and make myself better so don't feel like it's too harsh (laughs) (laughs) if you have something to share and we only grow with growing pains so yeah amen yeah. So, and if anybody wants to, to see the cover, it's ta-da! Oh, it's awesome. the <laughs> yeah, it, it popped uh, up on my on my feed, and I was like, I save authors on Instagram into a particular folder, which yeah. has been so helpful for me. So instead of taking screenshots and then something happened to my phone, I, I have it right on my account. So I have like hundreds of authors to check back in with, you know, and sometimes I get your profile, for instance, or sometimes I'll get somebody else sharing, but it was really helpful. It, popped right up on my screen so I was like okay save and message so yeah that was very helpful nice well Well, thank you yeah for sure for sure well I just want to say too like if you want to send me that beta reader link we can put that right in the description too okay um try and get that out for you so I did write that down to uh, ask you in your email uh, that I'll send you as a follow-up so we could definitely do that for you um and then we just want to remind the audience to please make sure if you're you know not just Erica, but any of our authors or any author that you're reading, um, traditional, but especially indie, you know, those reviews really go a long way. 
And I think yeah. some people forget that you can review Audible books as well, you know, and, you know, you know, any product that you find. It's not just Amazon, you know, you can do that on Barnes and Noble. So anywhere where you find Erica, you know, her books or anybody else, please make sure you're doing that. That's the way that anybody sells or gets, you know, better reviews and things like that. So it really does yeah. help. But yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely helps. Uh, but yeah, uh, Erica, if there's anything at all, you know, that we can do for you in the meantime, if there's anything that comes up and you're like, oh, I want to share this. I want to get this out there. Please don't hesitate. I tell every author this and then they always hesitate. They're like, oh, well, Dan's having a baby. It doesn't matter. Dan has his phone, you know, and I can instantly share it um, onto our platforms. People only, you know, really come to our platforms to see what you authors are doing. So, you know, anything at all that you have or anything I can help you with, uh, you know, just let me know. Um, Yeah. So I'd love to help you find some, you know, some good beta readers. Um, So yeah, if there's anything that comes up at all, just let me know and I'll share it or I'll help you in any way that I can whatsoever. So. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. It's been really fun talking to you and being on the podcast and um, getting to know you. This is pretty fun. It feels like a long lost friend. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Definitely. I'm definitely going to be sending you a couple of things uh, that I've been um, having questions about and stuff in terms of writing sci-fi and stuff. Uh, Yeah, I talked to a couple of people. I'm like, I just want to know how people solve this problem and things like that. So yeah, we'll definitely have to uh, connect on social media some more. Uh, I had a couple of people that I've interviewed with them. It's funny that it's all been at the end of season two um, where I'm like, oh yeah, I I would totally hang out with that person. And I was like, I joined a writing group with that person. So yeah, if there's anything at all, you know, that, you know, you want to talk or discuss. um, I love making author friends. uh, So yeah, shoot me an email or hit me up on Instagram, something like that. And, you know, anytime you want to come back on, you know, and talk about whatever, just let me know. And, you know, I'm pretty flexible, you know, just want to try and get you guys on and, you know, keep this community going and build it, you know, to the best of our ability. So yeah, if there's anything Wonderful. you can do or you want to chat sometime, hit me up and we'll make it happen. So sounds good. Thank you so Perfect. much. Yeah, not a problem. Thank you. I hope you guys have a great rest of the day and I'm sure I'll talk to you soon and I'll send you that email and, you know, I'll talk to you on social media, my friend. All right. Take care. Thank you so Perfect. much, Daniel. You too. See you later. Right. See ya. Bye. Bye.